Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. News Radio WRVA. It is a Monday afternoon. We are back. Thank you so much for all of the kind wishes on Friday as we were observing uh, Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we got another one coming up. You know, Yom Kippur is coming up. Governor Doug Wilder is going to be sitting in for me on that day. That's September the 25th. A lot of things we're going to be dealing with as we head through the afternoon. Gerald Baker is going to be here, the uh, former editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, We'll be talking a little bit about why, well, quite frankly, nobody trusts people in the media anymore. And it is a a good day to be discussing that. We've got a uh, crew here from AFP, Agence France Press. Did I pronounce it properly? Maybe, yeah. Uh, And they are talking about radio, conservative talk radio here in the United States, why we who are involved in talk radio, uh, quite frankly, are trusted more than um, the legacy news media people. And you and I both know that it's easy, despite your smirking, my friend. We are trusted more, I promise you that. And uh, we'll give a couple of examples. Now, this is one of the things, as I was looking at stuff this morning, I was uh, just absolutely blown away by the fact that Hunter Biden, who, as you know, is now facing three felony charges, uh, all related to guns, all related to guns. The the most anti-gun administration has uh, somehow uh, given us Hunter Biden. And we're told, you know, there's nothing there. My God, Jeff, nobody else would have been charged. We addressed this the other day as I shared with you these charges. Look, the charges carry a maximum potential of 25 years in a federal prison, three quarters of a million dollars as a fine. This is a huge, huge issue. And despite the best efforts of the Biden administration to have us believe that it's just, well, it's just a, it's a, it's a paper error, man. He just forgot to check a box. You know how that is. You're filling out paperwork. And boy, you, you didn't realize that there was another box you had to check. That's not what it was. This is all about complete and total lies on that form. And for those who continue to say to us, well, nobody else has ever prosecuted for that. That's nonsense. You and I both, both know about Deja Taylor. Right. Deja Taylor, young woman from uh, what Newport News or Norfolk. She did exactly the same thing as Hunter Biden. There was never any discussion with her about, oh, not to worry. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, just on uh, Thursday, sit down and spend five minutes uh, reflecting. None of that nonsense. 
She was offered a deal from the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia. Remember what the deal was? You're going to do two years in the federal prison. That's the deal. That's all. End of story. But somehow Hunter gets gets away with this. Now, the other thing we've seen over the last couple of days, and, and we have to be consistent about this, are, are some really ugly things coming from uh, Susanna Gibson, right? Susanna Gibson, as you know, is the Democrat running for the House of Delegates who... Uh, well, suffice to say, we know way more about Susanna Gibson than we really ought to know. Uh, the uh, the porn tapes that uh, she was making live online and then taking donations. And did you ever dive in a little bit further? And I know it's a dangerous thing to do because most of us thought, oh, I don't want to know this. I don't need to know this. But there it was. Apparently, she was also bragging about how she and her husband would enlist well, unwitting hotel staff members, and it just seems so very ugly. So you and I were in agreement that it's it's a bad thing. Well, what pops up over the weekend is this uh, Lauren Boebert out in Colorado, all right? Uh, Lauren Boebert, who won her last campaign, the re-election, I think it was like 200, 250 votes. It wasn't a lot. Uh, she's in a theater in Denver with her... Uh, boyfriend, friend, escort, whatever uh, he was doing uh, in terms of uh, going to the Beetlejuice performance with her. But again, she's vaping there. She's acting like a complete and total jerk when you play the, oh gosh, do you know who I am card? You know you're, it's a problem. And then, well, suffice to say, she was helping him enjoy the show far more than other people in that theater got to enjoy the show. So we've got to be consistent on this. Uh, when you talk about Susanna Gibson, you've got to be honest about this, uh, Lauren Bober. Because if we're not, then we become hypocrites. And quite frankly, then uh, well, we're no better than the, uh, the uber leftists. And I would dare say that we are far better than the uber leftists. That we continually want people to know the truth about things. And then you can make your own decision. I'm not here to tell you that you need to vote this way or that way. You know that. But I am going to tell you what's going on, and I'm going to tell you who's saying what, and then, well, pass judgment whichever way you'd like. Remind you about the text line, 833-804-1140, 833-804-1140. Yesterday, Sunday morning, there was a uh, there's a new host of... Uh, Whatever that, that, that show is on NBC, I don't know. It, it's sort of blended together at this point uh, with, uh, what's his name? Chuck Todd isn't there anymore. So this Kristen Welker has taken over the program, and she had a sit-down interview with former President Donald Trump. Okay, fascinating, I'm sure. Uh, she was, as so many of the uh, legacy news media folks, uh, in a position to say, well, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true, Mr. President. That's not true. That's not true. So take a listen. Cut number two. Welker in her debut with former President Trump. Roe v. Wade, for 52 years, people, including Democrats, wanted it to go back to states so that states could make the right. Roe v. Wade, I, I did something that nobody thought was possible, and Roe v. Wade was terminated, was put back to the states. Now... People, pro-lifers, have the right to negotiate for the first time. They had no rights at all. Because the radical people on this are really the people, the Democrats, that say after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth, 
You're allowed to President, terminate Democrats the baby. Democrats aren't saying that. I just have to. Democrats are not saying that. Does it bother you though that women say their lives are being put at risk? Do you feel you bear any responsibility? Because as you say, you are responsible it, for having Roe v. Wade over This is an issue that's been going on for a long time, and it's a very polarizing mm -hmm. issue. Because of what's been done, and because of the fact we brought it back to the states. We're going to have people come together on this issue. They're going to determine the time because nobody wants to see five, six, seven, eight, nine months. Nobody wants to see abortions when you have a baby in the womb. I said with Hillary Clinton when we had the debate, I made a statement, rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. You're allowed to do that, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Again, no one and, and is again, arguing listen, for that. That's look, not a part of anyone's platform, look, Mr. President. The Democrats are able to kill the baby after birth. Let me talk to you. Nobody wants that. that Democrats don't want that. So Except they do. This is the whole point. And whether you like him or not, former President Trump is exactly correct on that. You remember that this all started with Kathy Tran and the Virginia House of Delegates and then uh, Governor Northam. In fact, we have a little piece of Governor Northam. He was all over this. I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, Well, I, I don't know. Does it get much clearer than that? I don't think so. It's about as clear as it can possibly get. And it's ugly. It's an ugly position. Now, the reality is that this uh, Meet the Press show has continually served as a means to attack conservatives in general, Republicans in particular, anybody who's associated with Donald Trump. I don't understand in many cases why folks are doing that show or any of these other talking head shows, but there they are. And uh, you, once again, may absolutely despise Donald Trump. And I know there's still a lot of people that do. My God, the tweets are ugly and he's nasty and all the rest of that. But he sat down with her and he answered all the questions. And despite her best efforts... Uh, I think if you were uh, scoring it like a boxing match, uh, you'd have to give it to him on points. Remember, Gerald Baker, the uh, former editor of the Wall Street Journal, is going to be joining us in just 20 minutes. It is 314, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Three twenty, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is Monday. We are back, and uh, remind you that Gerald Baker, former editor of the Wall Street Journal, he's going to be with us at three thirty-five. Looking forward to chatting with him. And of course, Monday afternoon, Carl Carlson drops by. We talk a little bit about eh, the economy, the market, uh, my my plans, such as it is. And I mean, we talk about mine because everybody kind of knows our situation but you've got a different situation you ought to be reaching out to carl you know i uh, it, it's funny i am i'm chatting with uh, with some of the fine people who are here with this uh, piece for afp and, and we were just joking a little bit about how some of us are of an age where you can turn to your co-workers and say my god you weren't even born when i had this assignment or i did something well i can tell you that i am old enough to remember when the babylon b really was nothing but satire and now the B strikes me as the newspaper of record at this point. They've got a great piece out, and it is entitled Biden Forgets to Put on Clothes. Media praises his majestic 
outfit. I got news for you. I don't think we're all that far away from that sort of stuff. I keep hearing this drumbeat uh, directed at, well, anybody who will listen, that there's no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. Look, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a member of Congress. I'm not privy to this stuff. But even I can listen to those members of Congress who are on these committees who are saying, but, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of information that's out there. There's a lot of things that we have seen, and and the the legacy news media may choose not to report on them, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I'm going to give you another example. Jonathan Carl is on ABC News. He's got I who's it? Nancy Mace is uh, is on the program, and and you'll take a listen. He's he's going to tell her again. I don't understand why you're doing this. It's all political. There's nothing there. And then, well, she educates him. Cut number three. Was this premature uh, going all the way with an impeachment inquiry? I don't believe so. The facts are everywhere. There are text messages. There are emails. There are witnesses. There are whistleblowers. There are meetings. There are phone calls. There are dinners. And you can't say, hey, there's a little bit of smoke. We're not going to follow the fire. And the inquiry, my understanding is, as you said earlier, gives us expanded subpoena powers. I want the bank records of Joe Biden. All of that should be on the table to prove out the allegations in the SARS reports. We're talking about a significant sum of money. We are talking about bribery. And in the Constitution, I mean, Article 2, Section 4, I mean, that is no, the basis there, for impeachment. There, there's no evidence of bribery. Uh, it, there are witnesses. I mean, there's the a, 1023 and, form. There are, um, you and, know. And, and you've been there, investigating. I mean, you're, you're on the oversight. There is evidence. I mean, you can't say that there's no evidence there when there is evidence. And quite frankly, there's no evidence. It was the, it was the fourth state. It was the media and journalists when Nixon was going down that helped do that investigation, helped bring down the president when uh, they when he broke the law. And, you know, you guys want to deny that there's evidence. It's everywhere. And the bank records will prove it out. All right. We will see. Uh, I haven't seen much yet. (laughs) You're not on the committee. All right. You're not on the committee. She's on the committee and she's telling you exactly what's there. She's telling you about the 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 statements under oath from witnesses. She's telling you about bank accounts. She's telling you about the flags that were raised with these bizarre bank transfers. So are you paying attention or not? Look, I, I don't care who you vote for. I really don't. But if you're going to conduct a, a news program and you're going to tell us how responsible you are and, and the, the high level of journalistic integrity that you have, don't you have to pay attention to some of these things every once in a while? Now, I get it. He may be your guy. And, and I, I, I've, been enough, uh, I've been around enough to, to realize that you've got a lot of people who are uh, left of center on some of these programs. I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But when you're going to pretend that there's nothing there because you, A, haven't seen it, or B, you've seen it and you simply choose to ignore it, that's a problem. In fact, that's a huge problem. And Nancy Mace is right. When she flashes back to the time of Richard Nixon, make no mistake about it, it it was real journalists at that point who brought down Richard Nixon. And they wanted to, and they did a great job. But now the very same people, it seems, in that profession, in many cases, say, well, we, we were just not going to uh, pay attention to that. One of the things we'll be talking about with Gerald Baker, former editor of the Wall Street Journal, is this bizarre situation erupting now with the United Auto Workers. 
Former President Donald Trump is apparently headed to Detroit, Michigan to to meet with some of these UAW folks. And he has said quite clearly, the president you supported, Joe Biden, the candidate you supported, who's now president, says, let's send everything over to China, which produces 70% of the world's lithium, which is how you make the batteries. Does that make a lot of sense? Even the UAW members who have been amongst the most loyal, steadfast Democrat Party supporters and voters for decades are saying this doesn't make any sense. Now, part of the goal of the UAW, you do understand, is that they want to get under union membership folks who are involved in that battery-making component. Because there's a part of this that says if you are involved in making uh, internal combustion engines, you might as well be making buggy whips. But we don't have the infrastructure for the grid, so just how much of this stuff can we make and why is the president pushing us in that direction. We'll talk about that, as I said, with Gerald Baker, former editor of The Wall Street Journal. It is 326, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 335, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Monday afternoon. It's cooled off a bit. We're only at around 80 degrees. It's uh, <laughs> It feels like there's a chill in the air at this point. By the way, just a heads up, tonight we're heading down to 55, so you're going to have to take whatever precautions you've got to take. I um, am looking at uh, the question here that has been posed in really an expert fashion by uh, Gerald Baker, the uh, former editor-at-large, former editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal. Now, the book is called American Breakdown, but it's it's this subtitle that really, honest to goodness, hits you. Why we no longer trust our leaders and institutions and how we can rebuild confidence. Well, I'm not sure about the second part, but, man, I know uh, there's a lot of mistrust out there and distrust. Uh, Gerald Baker, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure, believe me, I tell you, is mine. I, I am uh, just anxious to jump in this with you. Is it everything that we just we just don't trust anything anymore, right? That's the way it is now. Very close, uh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah, and um, the uh, the book is about how trust in our major institutions and indeed in each other has collapsed in this country in the last 20, 30 years. Now, you know, the polling organizations like Gallup take these regular surveys. They've been asking people for fifty years, "Do you trust?" The government? Do you trust the media? Do you trust universities? Do you trust colleges? Do you trust science, medicine, big business, technology, all of those things? And in every single one of those cases, trust in the last 30 years has collapsed. I'm not just down, it's collapsed. There are a couple of institutions, and we can talk about those if you like, where literally only two institutions where trust has not declined. One is the military, uh, which is it's gone down a little bit, but not, but still most Americans trust it. And the other is, interestingly, is small business. Whereas people really distrust uh, big business, they distrust technology companies, they distrust banks, they distrust um, science and medicine and all those other things I talk about. They do still have uh, a quite high level of trust in small business. But everything else, uh, Jeff, it's just we this has been to me, this is the most important explanation for so much of what's gone wrong in this country in the last 20, 30 years. And by the way, you know, we can, I'm sure we'll get into talking about why it is. Yeah. It's not that people have just suddenly decided to withhold their trust. It's that, it's that these institutions have become untrustworthy. They've been telling us things that aren't true. People don't trust them anymore. So which is the, is the worst offender? Is it the, the big corporations? Is it media? Or is it government? Uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, since you and I both uh, do this for a living, it's the media. It's the media. Uh, it is the media seen as dramatic. In the late 70s, early 80s, after Watergate, um, you know, when arguably American journalism, I suppose, was at its high point, something like 70 plus percent of 
Americans said they generally trusted the news media. They trusted newspapers to to, you know, to tell the truth. Right. That number, uh, Jeff, now is down to about about thirteen or fourteen percent, depending which polls you look at. I mean, it's just an incredible collapse. I mean, I should say incredible. It isn't incredible, of course, unfortunately, because what has been incredible is so much of what the media has been telling us over the last ten years or so. People have just decided, quite understandably, that the media pushes. Uh, its own ideological agenda, yeah. makes stories up to support people it's, uh, it, it likes and to discredit people it doesn't like. And it's just basically become completely untrusted. So it's um, and it's a problem, you know, because, you know, if you can't trust the media, how do you have information to make the decisions that you need to that you need to make, whether it's, you know, in politics, in business, in your life generally? But that is the situation we're in. People simply do not trust the news media. Uh, Gerald Baker is joining us, former uh, editor-at-large, editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal. And Gerald, I, I, I would say that I, I'm not surprised that people don't trust the the legacy news media folks. I, I think former President Trump talked about fake news, and every single day we've got more and more examples. We see these folks, we hear these folks, uh, talking heads Sunday morning say there's, there's X and somebody who actually knows something. As an example, with this Hunter Biden indictment or the allegations against uh, President Biden, there's a member of the over committee that says no no there here's the evidence we have this we have this we have this and and that person on the set talking uh once again repeats oh well there's no evidence and, and, yeah. and you just you just shake your head and say okay I, I gotta move on to something else yeah the hunter biden case joe i think is a perfect example of why people have just stopped trusting the media i mean it because it shows you um you know not only obviously have they uh, do, do they pursue their own political agenda when it's when it suits them and they um and they and they you know they went after president president trump heavily over a story that turned out to be com- largely completely false that was the russia collusion story but yep. when you do have a story like the hunter biden they, they it's 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 in choosing to ignore it or choosing to downplay it and, you know we had you know let's let's not forget this was you you know you've talked about this many times yourself, but you know in the, those days before the 2020 election, when the New York Post broke the story, the original story, which is which is every single part of which has been demonstrated to be true, that, that about the Hunter Biden laptop with the very damaging and incriminating information on it, the media first of all um, ignored it, then they suppressed it, then technology companies actually blocked companies from being able to to be able to show it on their on their social media websites. It, it you know th- this was just. And, and by the way, this has gone on with Biden. I wrote a column a couple of weeks ago in the journal about what I call the sort of Biden-keeping operation by the media. This, this, this media that we have in this country, most of it, not all of it, obviously, but for the most part, has just gone out of its way to um, protect Joe Biden, to downplay the many mistakes and gaffes that he's made, to downplay or completely ignore the scandals that his son has been involved in and maybe he's involved in himself. And again, that's, you know, this is the people, people the, the, the big difference, Jim, I think, between now and, say, 30 or 40 years ago is the media. There's always been media bias. Sure. 30 or 40 years ago, we didn't we didn't have a lot of sources. We didn't have a lot of alternative sources to find out whether they were lying to us or whether they were telling us things that weren't true. Now, you know, thanks to the onset of the digital age and social media and all other sources of information, we can see when, you know, when they tell us. Joe Biden said something at a, at a press conference or didn't say something at a press conference. We can go and we can look at the tape and we can say, actually, you know what? He did say that. I mean, I know he said that. Why are you telling me he didn't? So this has been a big change. I think the the availability of alternative sources of information, which has demonstrated, I'm afraid, that just all too often the media is just not telling us the truth. You know, I, I'm so happy you brought that up. Gerard Baker is joining us, the editor-at-large of the Wall Street Journal, formerly the editor-in-chief, and uh, still has the, uh, the that weekly column, Free Expression, which is fantastic. Uh, you, you, you mentioned that we have alternative sources. There are no longer the gate, 
gatekeepers, Gerard. It used to be we had to wait for, you know, Walter Cronkite at 7 o'clock Eastern to tell us what was happening right. or the, the daily newspaper of record the next day. My sons have got eight different sources on their cell phone before I complete asking them the question about it. So, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but are the, uh, the, the ranks of the legacy media really just all headed for the dustbin of history? Well, we've seen a lot of them obviously go under. I mean, you know, the the, the logic, the inexorable, in 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 um, you know, inevitable logic of market forces has driven has driven a lot of them out. I think the answer, though, Jeff, is you know, I, I think I think I think this will force them. To, some of the, like, many of them will go out of business. Have done already. Many of them will simply cease to be trusted. Many of them will just become kind of mouthpieces for a particular view that particular people want to want, want to read. I think so many of our mainstream media now. Are just, I mean, are just, are just written for, or, or you know, televised for, or broadcast for, or distributed to people who have a particular view. It's highly partisan. We have a highly partisan. Yeah, that's true. We have that on both sides to some extent. But I do think the the, the, the more the one optimistic note I'll I'll say is that I think this will force change. People will want reliable information. They will want real information that they can trust. To make the decisions I said earlier that they have to make to you know to run their lives, and I think eventually, the, the, because by the way, this has happened before in America. The one good news piece, and other piece of good news here is that this isn't the first time this has happened. Mm-hmm. We've had highly partisan media, distrusted media before. We had it in the early days of the Republic. We had it through the 19th century. We had it in the 1930s. We had it in the 1960s. And eventually, people say, you know what? I actually need reliable information. I've got to find something. So, so the market does tend, I think, to help us find a way. But in the meantime, yeah, a lot of a lot of news organisations are going to the wall. A lot of them are just not going to survive this, and a lot of them are just going to become even more partisan, even more catering for their very narrow audience than they do right now. Absolutely. I, I, they, they, this sort of uh, uh, narrowing in on specific points, we're going to address these, we're only going to talk about this from this perspective, and uh, there's nothing else going on. Now, you, you know, the other part of your book, of course, Gerard, is you're talking about uh, not just this uh, loss of trust, but how we could rebuild the confidence. I You've given us an example, I suppose, for for rebuilding some confidence in the media as we move forward. But there's so many of us who would describe ourselves as conservatives, free market, free enterprise, and the rest of it. We're looking at the corporations going, man, you guys are dirty from top to bottom, whether it's, uh, you know, Enron or Theranos or any of these other things. Is there a way to rebuild the, the trust in them? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So I have a chapter in my book on the collapse of trust in big business and the fact that it's been driven by three big things, I would say. One, globalization and the fact that these companies have become focused on improving their profits and the riches of the people who own them by pursuing global opportunities, not American, and actually at the expense of Americans. Two, I think they've we've had a succession of scandals, just the sort that you've talked about, which has eroded trust in big business. And three... That's most importantly, recently, we've had this phenomenon of the woke corporation, where these corporations embrace these progressive ideals and these leftist, leftist ideology uh, in a way that is not in the interests of, uh, there's nothing to do with their own business, and in fact, alienates many of their customers. Look, the, the answers I have in my book are I, many, there are many, but the one I particularly focus on is the, the, the real reason that all of these institutions have become untrustworthy, the reason we don't trust them, in the, and, we, and we've lost trust in them in the last 20 or 30 years, it's primarily because they've been taken over by this kind of progressive elite, these people who pursue an agenda and a nice set of ideologies that are totally at odds with what made America great. They're, they're at odds with the, you know, as you can tell from my accent, I wasn't born in this country. I came to this country in the 1990s. I think this is the best country in the history of the planet. I came here in the 1990s because it was, 
it, had, it, it, it everything it stood for was what the the ideals that I think most people around the world wanted to stand for, which was freedom, independence, you know, the pursuit of the, the right values. Unfortunately, in the last what's happened in the last twenty five years is that these institutions have been taken over largely by people who don't share those values, who share these, as I say, these progressive leftist modern values. I think the only answer, Jeff, is you know, to, to, to turning back. And to and to and to restoring trust is to making sure that these institutions, whether it be big business, whether it be the media, whether it be universities, colleges, whatever, they have to be restored. You know, we have to take them back and we have to once again have a leadership of these institutions that's committed to the ideals of American values and leaders and leadership. No doubt about it. Boy, what 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 an inspirational thought there, and uh, and, and actually a hopeful one. I mean, it, it's a big look. It's a big ask. It's a big get, right, for us to be able to do that. But if we don't do that, uh, we're not going to be able to even recognize this nation. Gerard Baker with us, the editor at large of the Wall Street Journal, writes the Free Expression column uh, on a weekly basis. There, the former editor in chief uh, has a book out right now, American Breakdown. Uh, Gerard, I, I hope it's okay uh, that, that, that we'll ask you back to talk a little bit more about this. There's so much to unpack, and you do such an amazing job in the book. I, I, I just maybe at some point we'll get you back. We'll say we're going to talk about three chapters, and that's it. Would you be open to that? I'd be. I'd love to. I'd be absolutely honored and delighted. Thank you for uh, thank you for asking me. Thank you, sir. And with the best way to get the book, just Amazon.com, or you got another way yep. we should send people? You, any any of the online booksellers, but, but Amazon's the one that uh, most people go to. And yes, it's available there under Gerard Baker, American Breakdown. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. That is Gerard Baker. He is the editor-at-large of The Wall Street Journal. 346, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 354, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is a Monday afternoon. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Thursday night, hanging out with Mike Love from the Beach Boys. <laughs> I'm going to work that into every conversation I possibly can. By the way, now here's the neat thing about it. You know, Mike Love was with us, I guess, last week, right? Yeah, leading up to the show. And I thought, honest to goodness, just a fascinating guy, brilliant guy. All he wanted to talk about backstage was politics, which was sort of interesting. Talked a little bit about the music, but not much. And then all I wanted to know about was the uh, transcendental meditation that he does. And uh, bottom line <laughs> is that uh, he said, hey, you know, it's, 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 it's really just a four-session thing to really learn TM. Now, you keep studying it and all the rest of that for the rest of your life, I'm sure. But, but the basic program is, is four days. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah, you, you really, I think, would be well served by it. And we had this great conversation about transcendental meditation and what's involved in it and how it helps and the rest of it. So long story short, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I decided I'm going to do that. You know, I do this, uh, just this personal stuff. I, I talk about mindfulness. I try and study mindfulness and some of the, some of the, uh, the classes and pieces of instruction that are available online. But uh, I had this great conversation about TM, and he said, "Yeah, it's it's, it's just a it's a deeper thing. It's it, it's more. There's more to it. So I'm I'm excited about that. I really am. Also excited about the fact that my buddy Carl Carlson, who by the way was hanging out at the Beach Boys with us, uh, he's going to be with us at 4:35. We'll be uh, chatting uh, about uh, the economy and you know making sure that we're all able to." Uh, make it into the future. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, he'll be with us at 435. I'm looking forward to that. couple of nice texts here. Jeff, uh, it's not so much what Susanna Gibson did, but rather the fact that a lot of the voting public just doesn't seem to care about things like this anymore. No more clear example that the loss of common decency and morality in the country exists that the reaction to the spectacle. Apparently, there just aren't enough God-fearing people left anymore to take a stand for what's decent and good. It's another nail in America's coffin. That's Gibb in Henrico. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. They're now spinning it. MSNBC says, you know, this is great. This is great. People are having sex, Jeff. That's a married couple having sex. I don't mind that. I just, I mean, it's not my business. Good. Good for you. But when you turn it into a for-profit video operation, and then you're angry at everybody else who saw this. What are you kidding me? The heck is with you? I, I, I don't care that the candidate and her husband are, are clearly in love with each other. I think that's wonderful. And I guess if you think about it, it is that old story, that age-old story of, of a man and a woman and another man on his laptop and another man on his cell phone and another man holding the video camera. Yeah, sure, you're right. It's just, a, just an old-fashioned love song. 357 Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. Four oh five, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. Monday afternoon. Boy, we got some great stuff today. We've got some great stuff all week. I'm gonna remind you, I uh am gonna be out two days next week. I'm just giving you the heads up. I don't want anybody to think, oh my god, he got tuckered. No, it's not a Tucker Carlson moment, but uh, Monday is uh, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, the uh, the Day of Atonement, and I will be busy atoning. Uh, I'm so happy to say former Virginia Governor Doug Wilder is going to be sitting in that day. You know me. I love the Gov. I really do. Absolute. God, I just, I love Doug Wilder. I just think the world of the man. And, and the fact that he said, yeah, I'll come and sit in for you again is, is just, it, it touches my heart. And then... Uh, uh, Thursday of next week, I'll be out, and I try to keep everybody up to date on all of this stuff. Haven't, you know, I'm, I'm not good at uh, hiding, right? I've got one of those back procedures with the injections and the rest of it. And, and the thing is, this is this for the rest of my life. I told you when you get that uh, determination, 
you read it on paper, it, it just hits you. Permanently, partially disabled. There's no question. It's three words. And I will tell you what, it has just changed. It's just changed a lot of stuff. So, so that's going to be on Thursday of next week. But again, I don't want you to be uh, overly concerned that, uh, that I won't be here. You will be in good hands, I promise you. Tomorrow morning, of course, uh, my buddy John Reed will be here. We'll also keep you in good hands. You know, it's weird. Maybe you don't know it's weird. <laughs> I think it's weird. As I'm looking at the story from the Babylon Bee. Now, of course, everything in the Babylon Bee is satire. It's all satire. But the sad reality is right about now, the Babylon Bee, I think, gets closer to the truth on most things than a lot of a lot of these self-proclaimed real reporters and serious journalists do. Their story today talks in this way. The headline is, Biden forgets to put on clothes. Media praises his majestic outfit. The emperor has no clothes. And we've got so many people that uh, are, are simply carrying the water for him. And you and I see it on a regular basis. Joe Biden was taken out of the cooler in his campaign bus to give a speech at a campaign stop today. But oops, he forgot to put on clothes. That's the first line from the B. No worries for the Biden campaign, though. The media quickly praised his regal and elegant outfit, calling it majestic and presidential. Look at that perfect business suit he's wearing. Looks like real presidential material to me, said one CNN reporter before going off to write a puff piece on Kamala Harris's shoes. He's quite a dresser. Really knows how to wear that stylish and elegant suit well, whispered an MSNBC reporter. Well done, Joe. Well done indeed. But one young boy who wandered into the campaign event thinking it to be a fun clown show, took one look at Biden and shouted, Hey, he's not wearing any clothes. The other journalists all turned and looked at him, shocked at his gaslighting. Get him, they cried. But instead of tackling him, they observed social distancing guidelines and simply went after his old tweets. You and I both know that we, we are, honest to goodness, at a time where Joe Biden could come out almost bare butt naked and you'd have people defending that and talking about stylish and all the rest of that. We've got some serious stuff we have to deal with. I mean, really serious stuff. And as Gerard Baker from the Wall Street Journal was just telling us, we can't believe, we don't believe the folks we used to believe. Why? Because without the gatekeeper protecting those folks, we're seeing up close and personal but what things are really all about. Let me give you another example. Another example, you've got a reporter who is asking for evidence. Says there's no evidence. Now, I'm going to remind you of something. You and I are not on the House Oversight Committee. We're not involved in these hearings. We're not involved in these closed-door examinations. But the folks who are are saying there's a whole slew of evidence. Now, I've been very honest, I think, in talking about Joe Biden. I don't like him. I've never liked him. I, I think he brought a gang of grifters to the White House. And I think at this point, 80-some-odd years old, uh, unfortunately... Had there been any synapses firing before, I don't think they're firing now. 
And unlike folks who, oh, he's just a nice guy, he's just a crazy old Uncle Joe, he's not a nice guy, and he's never been a nice guy. He's always been a nasty, nasty sort of a dude. He's a bad guy. There's no evidence, except there's a mountain of evidence. Now, let me give you an example. Here's a reporter, once again, going by the official pre-approved narrative. Right, This is the big lie being told in this day and age, that there's no evidence. So this reporter tries it with Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. It doesn't go well for the reporter. Cut number four. Both Chairman Jordan and Comer were not able to present anything that was an impeachable offense at this point. Is that an assessment that you share? You know, the impeachment inquiry is not impeachment. So what impeachment inquiry is to do is to get answers to questions. Are you concerned about all the stuff that was just recently learned? Do you have any concern? Have you asked the White House any questions? Okay. Do you agree that, do you believe the president lied to the American public when he said he'd never talked to his son about business dealings? Yes or no? It's all right. You, you can't answer that? Do you believe when they said the president went on conference calls? Do you believe that happened? That's what the testimony Okay. Said. Do you believe the president went to Cafe Milano and had dinner with the, with the clients of Hunter Biden, who believes he got those clients because he was selling the brand? Okay. Do you believe Hunter Biden, when you saw the video of him driving a Porsche, that he got $143,000 to buy that Porsche the next day? Do you believe the $3 million from the Russian oligarch that was transferred to the shell companies that the Bidens controlled after the dinner from Cafe Milano took place? Okay, then I go back. Do you think the president lied that he, when he said... Is lying and impeachable. Well, you want, you want to know, I'm not saying impeachment. All I'm saying is I would like to know, answer these questions. The American public ought to know, and that's what impeachment inquiry provides. There you go. Boom. Next question, please. She was completely and totally flummoxed, completely and totally taken aback. Now, that's what needs to happen if, if, if we're going to have any sort of honest, open discourse on this. I understand that there is a, a segment of the population that is firmly convinced Donald Trump is evil, Joe Biden's a saint. And there are people on the flip side of that. There are people who are convinced that Donald Trump is a saint and Joe Biden is a lot more like Joe Biden. But okay. Those members of these House committees actually have the information, and it is incumbent upon those who are preaching to us about what serious jobs they're doing as reporters to actually report this. You can still go and vote for Joe Biden. I don't care. I don't think anybody cares. But but this is is like sticking your head in the ground in some hole you found or just covering up your eyes going, nya, 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 I can't hear you, I can't see you. Sorry. It's pretty apparent. And as the uh, late, great Warren Zevon would say, it ain't that pretty at all. 414, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 
421. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRBA. Don't forget, tomorrow I will be the keynote speaker for the Henrico County Republican Party. If uh, you haven't gotten your ticket yet, go to HenricoGOP.com. HenricoGOP.com. Should be a great time. It's over there at uh, Atlas 42. Uh, my buddy John Reed, as you know, has got uh, Andy No coming to town. And uh, the VirginiaCouncil.org is how you get tickets for that. I'm you. I get tickets for both events. I really do. Tomorrow night with the Henrico County GOP, where yours truly will be the uh, keynote speaker, HenricoGOP.com. And then uh, Friday night with Andy No, the VirginiaCouncil.org. So there's going to be some great, great events. Coming up at uh, 435, Carl Carlson is going to be with us. We'll take a look at uh, what is or is not going on in the, uh, in the economy right now. That whole preachy thing from Team Biden. Well, everything is fine. I mean, if you if you just take out the cost of gasoline and the cost of groceries, man, everybody's doing well. Okay. How do I get to not pay for gasoline then? Because unless I've missed something, I still have to pay for gasoline. So I can't take that out of my personal economic situation. Well, just take the, the cost of groceries out of it. Everything's good. Well, okay. Everybody in my house likes to eat on a regular basis. And since we're, we're, we're not farmers, we're not hunters, we're not gatherers, unless you count going to the supermarket, uh, something's got to give, right? Now, I go to Tom Leonard's Farmer's Market. We're there all the time. I love it. But you can't just take stuff. Because, you see, you got to pay people for those things. And so you can't just take the cost of groceries out of your personal economic equation. Now, maybe the politicians can do that. Maybe the uh, Biden folks can say, yeah, other than that, things are going great. Well, I'll give you one other thing that's, frankly, a little challenging right now. The automotive sector. We're at a point now, Heidi and I are, Both of our vehicles are, I'm spitballing here, but about 20 years old. They've served us well. My friends at Certified Auto Repair, 8401 Oakview Avenue in the lakeside section of Henrico, uh, have kept them on the road. And at some point, with two boys now of driving age, those vehicles are going to be good for them. And Heidi and I, whether we want to or not, really are at a time in our lives in a situation where we need to get new rides we just have to we don't buy new they'll be new to us oh no make no mistake about that they'll be new to us but they will be uh previously owned prior utility they'll be used is what i'm saying well i've been going online looking at the prices of used cars what what do you think a used car is, quote, supposed to cost? Because everybody has an idea. Oh, it should be about such and such. And I had that same idea until I went looking at the price of cars. Insane prices. We're talking about $30,000 per car. That's used. And make no mistake, these are not luxury vehicles. These are good, solid vehicles. And I did the math on this one and thought, you know what, Heidi? I'm going to buy this car. It will, I'm pretty sure, be the last car I will ever 
by. No, I, I'm healthy. Don't don't get concerned. But I'm just saying, I I can do math, some math, you know, minimal math, and I'm thinking, yeah, I probably will never ever buy another car. So I number one, I'd like it in the color that I'd like it. That's crazy at this point. You just have to be able to get the car. Heidi needs a solid car. We both love the minivan. Is uh, people? Oh, I can't believe it. Well, it's like driving your couch around. It's so comfortable. But uh, we don't need it anymore. We don't have three kids at home, three little kids all strapped in in the back. We're not taking their friends to soccer practice or the rest of it. So that's that's part of the economy, kids. And then Heidi is thinking, you know, I would like one of those plaque shack things. I, just, I was just listening a couple moments ago. What was it? The Picture Perfect Shed. That sounds interesting. We may have to reach out to those guys, Picture Perfect Shed, and see if they can uh, help us out with a little something for Heidi. It is 426, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 435, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is Monday afternoon. I want to remind you next week, in fact, a week from tomorrow. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is going to be with us. Looking forward to uh, catching up with him. He has, of course, in the, what, six weeks we haven't chatted with him, uh, written a brand-new bestseller, number one on the New York Times bestseller. It's just every time I turn around. He writes books faster than I can read books. But uh, Bill O'Reilly will be with us next week, uh, working to get uh, Glenn Beck locked down uh, as well. Our friend Todd Starnes will be popping in. Lots of great stuff. You know, Monday afternoons at 435. My friend Carl Carlson joins us. We talk a little bit about the economy and business and uh, Beach Boys and music and stuff like that. And Carl is here. Carl, good afternoon, my friend. Good afternoon, Jeff. Beach Boys. Yes. Can I start by asking you about that? Did you have a good time? It was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a the, classic. Uh, oh, yeah. Classic. It was uh, beautiful music, a lot of fun, and uh, perfect evening. So who were all these folks you brought along? Because you had your own chalet over there, Mr. Carlson. Yeah, so we have a uh, a club called the Carlson Club, and it's uh, it's a group of our clients who um, have introduced us to other folks that they want they want other folks to have some of the same benefits that they've received through us. So they introduce us to other folks. And uh, when that happens, they become a member of the Carlson Club. And then we do some special things for the Carlson Club. Like, there you go. We uh, went out to the uh, Beach Boys concert, and we saw Mr. Jeff Katz. Mr. Radio was there. Oh, he's good, Carl. I like him. <laughs> he's all right. Yeah, it was it was a great time. And boy, a great evening for a concert. The weather cooperated. Mike Love yeah. was in uh, was in rare form. Uh, I love the fact that uh, in a, in addition to sort of safeguarding the assets of your clients, you're also you know you're doing extra for them, which is always always nice. The, the thing is, I've noticed that there's a buzzword right about now, and you tell me if I'm wrong on this one uncertainty because i don't know i had a i had a couple of months i looked at the the statements up 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 and then uncertainty struck and last month eh, wasn't as up as i would have liked yeah so what's going on and here's a couple things so number one uncertainty is always going to be a part of the stock market uh Mm -hmm. 
it's uh, rare times when we get to go very long without some uncertainty. But right now, the big uncertainty is the uh, Fed. And are they going to raise rates again? And uh, so you got that one. And then the other one you have going on is Congress is uh, finally back in Washington. And now we're coming up against the funding of the federal budget again. And will they do it or will they not? And that has to be decided by the end of September. So that's going to start causing some uncertainty as we deal with that. Okay, now, it just seems to me that uh, when it comes to Congress, it's it's just always the same thing, isn't it? Hey, we might pass, pass it, we might not pass it. And then they always wind up passing it, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. You know, there's a couple of times where they sort of did, but, you know, then they, they uh, furloughed some of the federal workers that weren't necessary for a little bit, but... As soon as they got it all cleaned up, they backpaid everybody, even the people that didn't work. So, uh, and it didn't shut the the country down even then. So, yeah. caused a little more uncertainty. But for the most part, they're always pushing it up. Right? They're making a political statements on both sides, and yep. uh, one side saying now that Republicans are going to shut down the government, and the Republicans are saying the Democrats are going to going to. And I think they're probably all just, uh, they're all right. they're not on TV, sitting together, smoking the cigars and laughing. <laughs> well, here's the thing that always puzzles me, Carl. If we can furlough all these people who are non-essential, doesn't that mean we don't actually need them in the first place? That seems to be the uh, normal definition of non-essential. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's only maybe a few hundred thousand of those. Oh, all right. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm just spitballing here, as you know, but it just seems to me if we got along just fine without you, maybe moving forward we could, you know, get along just fine without you. Are are you seeing anything that would, uh, I hate this word, but I have to use it. Is, is there anything stormy? Is there anything you look at and go, oh, my God, it's, it's like a giant thunderstorm economically coming right towards us? No, I'm not really sensing that, and I okay. I hadn't. I haven't really been, but, you know, there was a lot of talk going on about recession coming, recession coming, and that seemed, I wasn't really feeling that, you know, okay. and sensing that and looking at the numbers and what I was seeing on the street. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's what I'm, I'm talking to small business owners. They're telling me that it's having, they're having problems even hiring people, so... Hmm. It's not like people are about out of work and right. But you know, the biggest uh, one of the other big problems was inflation. Everybody's paying a lot more for the same yeah. stuff now, yeah. and that's a little slow. That's a lagging thing that catches up with folks. But even now, I think uh, Goldman Sachs just came out and said odds are fifteen percent or less that we're going to uh, have a recession. So for a while, I think some of them were. 80% chance yeah. it was going to happen. So that's definitely slowed down. All right. Well, you know, I'm happy to hear that. But when I I heard, uh, I forget who it was, from the Biden White House say, well, about this inflation, if you just take out the numbers for gasoline and food, everything's fine. And I thought, <laughs> well, how, how do I get this magic wand to take those expenses away from me? Uh, 
two right. of the most important things you spend money on. My kids the demand to eat. and the gas out of there. Right. Every day they want oh, to eat, And Carl. maybe utilities. Oh, yeah, that too. Yep. And God Take forbid that. you're looking utilities, for Utilities, the gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I don't know. I, we are also seeing inflation. Not everybody's looking for a car, but I, I shared with, with everybody a moment ago, Carl, that uh, Heidi and I are kind of at a point. The boys are both of driving age. We're going to, we think, give them the vehicles. We've been driving for 20 years, each of our vehicles, 20 years old. And, and we went looking for, for some new ones online. I got to tell you something. The cost of used cars uh, is, is, is just through the roof. It's insane out there right now. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. What not that long ago seemed like, you know, maybe I'll spend twenty grand on a car that's a couple of years old with not mm. too many miles. Yep. All of a sudden it's forty grand. Yep. Yeah. If you 100%. by the way, Carl, let me just say, if you find that twenty car twenty grand car, would you give me a shout? Because uh, that, that's what I would like to... <laughs> that's the one you're looking for. That's the one I'm... I don't care what color it is or uh, what the trim package is. That sounds good to me. It's just... Uh, it's crazy. Oh, it's used the... cars have gone up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I now, thought... of course, if anybody's financing them, yeah. interest rates have gone up like crazy. Oh! Oh, Painful. I... I looked at one. You know, you can pre-qualify online. So I was like, yeah, 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 here's me, blah, blah, blah. And I know used cars are always higher, but this one came back, and I thought, what do you like? It just looked like something you would get from somebody who was, I don't know, an extra on the set of The Sopranos. It was like usury, you know? It was a VIG. It wasn't interest at that point. Yeah, you're seeing them on, uh, in the double digits now, yeah. and that hasn't been the case for a long time. Exactly. Say, now listen, you talk about all this sort of stuff. Your team goes out. You've got the steak dinners. Uh, great play. I know you've got two dinners at Hondo's this month, tomorrow and Wednesday. I, I don't know. Is, are, are there any seats available for those? Uh, those are full. Okay. All right. So now we're going to yep. look uh, in October then, right, for uh, Ruth's Chris? Yep. Ruth's Chris on uh, October 17th, 18th, and 19th. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, okay. October. Bruce right. Chris Steakhouse. Oh, good steakhouse! Listen, you you never uh, you never uh, fail to deliver on the uh, on the dinner, and then the 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 chat, the conversation, all about the economy, all about how you uh, you ought to be safeguarding this stuff. So. I know folks can download that retirement kit at connectwithcarlson.com, and I always send everybody over there, connectwithcarlson.com. But to get signed up for the dinners coming up in October, 17th, 18th, and 19th at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, uh, you got to call, right? That's the best way? Yep, 844-CARLSON, or uh, reach out to us at carlsonfinancial.com. You know, that uh, connectwithcarlson.com has a... One of the things in the retirement bundle is a checklist challenge Yeah, to go through a checklist and see if you're prepared for retirement or if you're financially where you should be on your journey. That's a good one. That is a great one. Now, uh, Heidi and I cheated. We gave that to Sean to fill out, and I figured he would do better at filling it out on our <laughs> behalf than we would because he knows better than <laughs> Than we do, uh, for sure. By the way, I just want to say say this in front of everybody, Carl. Uh, you have an amazing PR staff member, a young lady by the name of Emily. And uh, I would say, if I'm you, you need to give Emily a big, big pay increase. 
<laughs> well, I'm just glad you didn't say that uh, publicly on the radio. No. Some place where we could hear it. Exactly. It's just between <laughs> us sitting around here. Uh, Carl, I love you, my friend. We will talk again <laughs> soon. You Thank you, sir. That is Carl Carlson from Carlson Financial. No, his PR person, Emily Carlson. Oh, she's an absolute pro and a darling and a sweetheart. You just, I can't say enough nice things about her. Uh, go and uh, sit down with Carl and his team. Again, October 17th, 18th, and 19th, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. It is a free dinner, but believe me, you're not going for the dinner, although you'll enjoy the dinner. It's the information. It's the economy. It's the talk about the business. Best way to do it is you go to carlsonfinancial.com or 844-CARLSON. 445, Jeff Katz, News Radio, W. RVA. 452, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is a Monday afternoon. You know, tomorrow, our beloved Richmond Flying Squirrels will be taking to the field. They're in the playoffs. And uh, just the buzz around the park is there are tickets available. Now, I don't know if it's just that Parney has offended people with his pants. Now, who doesn't love Parney's pants? That sounds a little weird, but he does. He's got lovable pants. He's a lovable guy. But the fact they've got any tickets left for a playoff game, that's crazy to me. I don't know about you. I'd love to go. Absolutely love to go and and support them. So if you can do that, get down there and uh, support our flying squirrels. All right? Get yourself some tickets and go have a great time. You know that uh, the squirrels always deliver. And you can always have fun and go nuts. I mean, I just think they're great folks. So anyway, do uh, do yourself a favor, would you please? And uh, go and support the squirrels. couple of uh, nice texts here, 833-804-1140, 833-804-1140. Hey, Jeff, my daughter has a 2006 Toyota with more than a half a million miles on it. My son's Toyota pickup is uh, well over 400,000 miles, just saying. We love you, Jeff. That's Jim in uh, Mechanicsville. Thank you, Jim. Love you, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Honda guy. I'm a Honda guy. And it's always so funny on Saturday mornings. You know, we spend time in the garage with uh, with Stan Andruski, my brother from another mother. Stan is a, is a big uh, uh, Chevy guy. And on the, uh, like, the first Saturday of the month, usually, Robbie from Certified comes in and hangs out. Robbie's a big Ford guy. And I'm the odd guy out. I'm the Honda guy. I like Hondas. I like the product. I like how they're built. They are made in America, just so we're clear. I I, I do think that's important. And I I don't know. Everybody's got their own personal favorite, right? Uh, People, oh, I love Acuras. I don't like Hondas, Jeff. I like Acuras. Well, Acuras or Hondas. Jeff, I don't don't like Toyotas. I like uh, like the Lexus. Lexus is a Toyota. Uh, Jeff, it's just the old saying, the emperor has no clothes when it uh, deals with Joe Biden. I mean, why would he be touring around naked? Well, why not? It, it was the Babylon Bee, but I'm telling you, they get closer and closer and closer to being the uh, the newspaper of record every single solitary day. It used to be pure satire. And I know the stories are still satire. But as I read them, I, 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 I can hear, oh, yeah, yeah, people that would do that, right? The same self-righteous reporters who are telling you there's no evidence for this impeachment inquiry, none whatsoever. And then you have the members of the House committee say, well, here, here it is, here it is, here it is. Oh, no, there's nothing there. Well, who are you and how do you know? You know, you can still be a good card-carrying Democrat. 
and acknowledge that these people know more than you do about this situation. They're on those committees that are seeing these pieces of evidence. Just bizarre. Jeff, it's just SOB when it comes to Joe. And I wasn't sure what that meant. It is sick old Biden. Oh, all right. Vicky just sends a quick note in. Jeff, I'm in Mechanicsville. Just want you to know I love your show. Thank you, Vicky. I love yours as well. All right, coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, a couple more examples. I mean, this is the weird part about today, especially. We just have so many examples of the legacy news media ranks ignoring what is directly in front of them. Ignoring evidence because instead of dealing with evidence, they'd rather prop up Team Biden. And what the heck is going on with Christy Nome? Right? A week ago, she endorses Donald Trump for re-election. All the buzz is she's going to be the vice president. Uh, and then the next thing you know, they're saying, oh, she's been having an affair with that Corey Lewandowski for like eight years. I don't know what to think anymore. We'll talk about it right uh, right at 5.05. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., my buddy John Reed will be here. Do not miss John's show. It is always a barn burner. I love John. 4.58, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Five oh five, Jeff Katz, News Radio WRVA. It is Monday afternoon. We're getting some information about the uh, Christie Nome affair. Is it an affair? Is it not an affair? Is it much ado about nothing? Is there anything there? I have no idea. I have no idea. This broke uh, the last couple of days. Now, the timing of it, I would dare say, is rather suspect. Last week, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, endorsed former President Donald Trump for re-election. Christy Nome is, I think, very, very attractive woman in every sense of the word. I think she's just, frankly, she's very pretty. She's very smart. She's accomplished. I think she would be an excellent candidate for vice president. And that was the buzz for a couple of days. And then a couple of days ago, the story that uh, she has allegedly been involved in this ongoing affair with uh, Corey Lewandowski broke. And it was a British publication, British newspaper, that said they had done uh, very, very serious investigative uh, reporting on this. Do you know if she's having an affair? Because I don't. But does that take her out now of contention for vice president? Maybe. We, We keep apparently recalibrating what is or is not acceptable, and what bothers me the most about this is that we seem to make allowances for people who are, at least in theory, on our side, on our team, as opposed to the other team. You know me. I believe everybody has got to get a second chance. In fact, I I think most of us need a second, second chance, and sometimes you need a second, second, second chance. And I'm not going to sit here and... uh, sit in judgment of people who are or are not having affairs. 
I don't know what Christy Nome is or is not doing. But that's going to be a big topic for people. Lauren Boebert out in Colorado. I will tell you personally, I once again, I think Lauren Boebert is, is an attractive woman. I think she's very, very pretty. And I know that she is in the process of getting a divorce. And she has apparently begun dating other men because she's getting divorced from her husband. That's It's a little different, right? That's not an affair. Is she still technically married? I believe so. So I know, actually, you know what? Maybe, I guess, technically it would be an affair. But, you know, when people split up, and think I've never been in this situation where, where I've gotten divorced. I have... I have a number of friends who have gotten divorced. And I, I know it's never easy. And I don't know how you do the math on it. I mean, I, honest to goodness, I'm just sitting here and I don't know. Do you have to wait so many months until you file the paperwork? Are you officially divorced? Are you just separated? If you're separated, can you go out? I don't know. But here's what I do know about Lauren Boebert, and, and this is what really bugs me about this whole thing with this this theater performance she went to. She first said, oh, I didn't do anything. It's 2023. You're, you're a member of Congress, and, and quite frankly, you are a really a well-known member of Congress in that part of the country. So if you don't think that whatever you do is, is being covered some way by somebody, then well, I think you're nuts. And so I think that was her first mistake when she said, oh, I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. And it would also indicate to me she needs somebody else in her public relations office. You know, John Reed used to do that. John, who you listen to every morning, 6 until 10, or at least I listen to him every morning, 6 until 10. And I'm always impressed, as you know, in the morning with the great, great news reporting one of the best with Gary Hess. But that's what John used to do, right? Public relations, try and help people manage bad situations, right? There's a whole crisis management. Oh, my God! I was vaping in the theater, and, well, I, I, I was getting really friendly with, uh, with this guy. Okay, how do you handle this? Well, I'm just going to deny everything. Eh, bad way to handle it. Because there are people all around you. It's a theater. It's a sold-out theater, ma'am. Did you not notice that? First, you're vaping in the theater. That would annoy me. And I don't necessarily get annoyed by this stuff. But now we know, right? She's She's using her vape device in the theater, and in front of her is a pregnant woman who is saying to her, Hey, listen. I'm a pregnant woman. I don't want you blowing that smoke around me. So that's the first little dust-up. Then apparently she's making a lot of noise. Then apparently she's, like, I don't know, uh, uh, playing tonsil hockey with, uh, with her date. And then she did what nobody should ever do. When she was asked to stop it, she said, uh, Do you know who I am? Oh, oh, I don't know about you. I hate that. Number one, I do know what, who you are, and that's why this is so upsetting to me. 
but she played that card. And then she was asked to leave. She was actually asked to leave, and she and her date had to leave the theater. Now she's coming back with this half-baked, oh, my God, I was so into the show. And blah, and nobody believes her at this point because you, you didn't tell the truth initially. And there are people on my side of the aisle saying, hey, we can't say anything about her. She's, she's a Republican. I, I, don't, I don't do hypocrisy all that well. I just don't. If you want to say, hey, guess what? Yep, I was vaping in that theater because, well, I, I'm addicted to nicotine. Okay, well, now we know why. Uh, I, I really, really, really was happy to see this new guy, and he's kind of my new boyfriend. And, well, okay, all right, I get it. I, I've been on dates, you know? I, I, I get that. But at least tell me what it is. Don't give me the, oh, it wasn't me. Don't know anything about it. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's craziness to me. It's just craziness. So then you, you compare that to the Suzanne Gibson situation. Susanna Gibson. Well, look, I think she's an absolute abomination. But you see how it's being spun, right? You have the, the, the water carriers, the MSNBC types, and I'm going to remind you of something. I watch MSNBC so that you don't have to. It's okay. You're welcome. But I, I'm just saying to you, the fact of the matter is they're spinning it to say, oh, this is, this is a thing of beauty. Oh, it's a husband and a wife. Oh, it's, it's so romantic. Really? Because uh, I watched enough to realize it really isn't. Just some small shred of honesty from, from any of these folks would be a really, really nice change of pace. It's 514, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. 521, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is a uh, Monday afternoon. I want to remind you tomorrow, Atlas 42 in the West End. I am the uh, keynote speaker for the Henrico County Republican Party. You get your tickets if you go online right now, HenricoGOP.com, HenricoGOP.com. I I know all the candidates are going to be there. There's some great people running in Henrico. They really, really are just some amazing people. Shannon Dillon is running for Commonwealth's attorney. She's the right Shannon. You know that, right? Shannon Dillon, uh, I, I think an excellent candidate. Oh, by the way, she is, uh, where is this now? I just saw this. She's got a, uh, a town hall meeting this Thursday, North Park Branch Library, 6 until 8. That's on uh, Franconia Road. So if you're in Henrico and you're going to be voting for Commonwealth's attorney, uh, check out uh, Shannon Dillon. Uh, she's been on the program. We'll have her on again. I just uh, I think she's, uh, she's a good, good person. Take a listen to uh, a little something from PBS. These are the uh, professional Biden supporters. I- I'm pretty sure that's what PBS stands for now, professional Biden supporters. But they, they, they hate the idea that there is a book available written by an author who would describe, well, it, it's pro-Constitution. All of a sudden, that's a bad thing to be. Cut number one. America's democracy is in an uncharted and fragile place, according to two Harvard government professors. With the presidential election a little more than a year away, Laura Barone-Lopez explores the issue. 
One of America's two major political parties has turned away from democracy, warned Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Zablat. One key accomplice to the backsliding, they say, are politicians called semi-loyalists, who rather than expel anti-democratic extremists from their party ranks, accept and make room for them. Why is this happening? Their new book, Tyranny of the Minority, concludes that part of the problem lies in the Constitution. So let me see if I understand this correctly. If we are pro-Constitution, we're bad people. That, that, that's what that is. If you believe that the United States Constitution is, in fact, the law of the land, you're a bad person. And unless you go along with the uber-leftists and saying just burn it all down somehow, some way, you're a bad person. So I'm pro-Constitution. I love the Constitution. Now, I remind you, the Bill of Rights, very interesting document. Bill of Rights is fundamentally a negative document, right? The government can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. It, do, it doesn't say we're giving you these rights. Quite the contrary says you and I have these rights. They are God-given rights. They're simply affirmed and enumerated in the Bill of Rights. Try that in another country. I mean, tell me how anti-constitution you are when you go to a nation that has a constitution that you love, but it, it is the government that gives you those rights. Because then the government can turn around and take them away anytime they want. You and I are also being told... There's a new jab coming. Now, I don't know if this is a booster shot or a new vaccine or a new... I mean, I just don't know. But there are one or two red flags coming from the uh, Surgeon General down in Florida. Cut number five. There's a new vaccine that's coming around the corner, a new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. And there's, there's, there's essentially no evidence for it. There's been no clinical trial done in human beings showing that it benefits people. There's been no clinical trial showing that it is a safe product for people. And not only that, but then there, there are a lot of red flags. So something that you don't hear much about, but we'll be talking more about, is that there are multiple studies now from around the world, Brazil, I think Australia, United States, that show that over time, these vaccines, these mRNA COVID-19 products, actually increase your chances of contracting COVID-19. Um, that's, you know, that's not normal. Uh, no, uh, no, it's not. And so now I'm left here on the sidelines going, well, what do I do? Right? I'm going to get my flu shot because I always get my flu shot. I think I've got a hepatitis B shot. Like the, isn't that the two-part one or something like that? But I know when I get my flu shot, CVS is going to ask me, hey, you want the COVID thing? I don't, I, I don't want to be sick. I, I don't want uh, to have COVID. But I, I also just, well, I don't really want to be a guinea pig. I would prefer not to be experimented on. And, and I would like to have as much information as I can possibly have, and I don't feel that I have it. I, I Somewhere else, somebody said it was, it, was, it was studied on a couple of mice, like six or eight mice. I don't know if that's true. Where is the information? Why isn't the CDC or anybody else saying, hey, look, we did the study. We did it on a thousand people. You're all good to go. Then I can make a decision. I just don't feel that I have the information I need, and that bothers me. 527, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA.
8.35, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. It is a Monday evening now. i got news for you. We've got uh, we've got a couple of days where the, uh, the temperature is not going to be oppressive. Great days to uh, sort of open the windows and turn off the air conditioners. And uh, we've been enjoying that here at Casa Cats. It, it's been an interesting sort of a day. I mentioned to you, we had a uh, crew out here from uh, AFP, an international... Uh, collection of reporters and they're they're doing a piece uh, written and television and all that other good stuff uh, about radio uh, talk radio in america and there are just a couple of us who've been asked to participate so i was very very happy to do that and one of the things we were talking about we had gerard baker on a moment ago from the uh, the wall street journal editor at large who said you know nobody believes anybody in power anybody uh, anymore rather and uh, Will Witt is an author who has a book that says, Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. The one thing we all seem to agree on uh, is that the elite, the elitists, are corrupt. Will, I, I appreciate you being here, man. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so, so give me an idea. When we're talking about the, the elites, who are they and, and just how do they get so unbelievably corrupt? Well, I think if we wanted to go through who all these people are we would need a couple more segments but if we wanted to not be so specific let's look at it from this way we have the government bureaucrats we have the lobbying machine we have the military industrial complex we have big pharma we have teachers unions the big media uh, big tech silencers all sorts of different people who want to make you comply with their agenda and it's not just complying when it comes to COVID. I know we hear do not comply. We think a lot about masks and vaccines and COVID stuff, but it's about all these people who want to turn you into a slave. And my book is essentially what I tried to do is make it so that people can be that individual that rebels against what these people want you to be. So when we talk about what they want us to do, you're right. Most people you you hear uh, do not comply. You're thinking, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask again. Thanks very much. Been there, done that. Uh, You know, unless it's a Halloween party or I'm in surgery, I'm not wearing a mask. But there is so much more. You you talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the big media. We certainly have spoken about that. But but big corporations have got a, an agenda, and it, it does seem as if they have the means to force people. As an example, electric vehicles and green cars. Isn't that what they're trying to do? Oh, of course. Yeah, electric vehicles are just one part of the kind of new technocratic world. In my book, I talk about the what we call transhumanist agenda which is essentially the disillusion of humanity through new technological advancements. Now, electric cars isn't totally the same thing, but it has to do with Elon Musk. And Elon Musk, to me, is one of these elites. He's done a good job with Twitter, but look at his Neuralink technology that he wants to do. These are brain chips implanted into your brain that is uh, talking to some cloud in potentially China or wherever it is. These are scary times that we live in with the technology that we have. And so I'm very worried about the elites in this country, the new technology, and, and the way that they are able to institute it over us. Because I think what you see when you were talking before about the masks and all that, Mm-hmm. So many people wore the masks or got vaccinated, not because they thought it would keep them safe, but they did it because it was easy to do so. It was much harder to rebel against doing these things. It's much easier to be one of these members of the herd, as Nietzsche would say, and just comply and, and be complacent. Well, yeah, the, you know, what What also happens, Will, is that compliance is something that uh, 
Well, frankly, it is easy. It, it, it's for your convenience, right? As I'm logging on to uh, CVS because I want to see something. Says, oh, by the way, you don't have to use your name and password anymore. You can just use your fingerprint. And I'm thinking, not on your life. I had no chance I'm I'm doing that. Or, or somebody says, well, I'm going to use EasyPass, and, and, and the tracking technology is right there. But it's always, it seems to me, presented as, well, this just makes your life easier. It's more convenient for you. Yeah, but just because something is easier doesn't mean that it's good for you. You know, at, at the grocery store, you go to some of these ones and they say, oh, well, you scan your palm and we'll get your payment method. Mm. How ridiculously scary is that? That my payment method is connected to biometrics, that they could come and say, oh, hey, you bought a little bit too much uh, sugar today. You're being right. a little unhealthy. You need to buy some more GMO meat or, you know, some, some vegan meat. Yeah. And, and have, you know, they're able to put that control on you because your money is not disconnected from yourself, not disconnected from the cloud or from government. It is connected entirely to uh, someone who wants to essentially make you a slave. That's what we're talking about here today. Mm. So all of these things come with self-sufficiency and making hard choices. You have to be that person who says, I know that maybe it'll make my life easier. Maybe it'll make my life easier to Uber eats all my food instead of cooking and learning how to do that myself. Or maybe it's easier to go on Tinder instead of trying to go meet people in real life. All of these things can make your life easier, but it doesn't mean that it's good for your soul, and it doesn't mean it's good for the country. Well, let, let's talk about the country. I remind everybody, Will Witt is here, an author. His uh, book is called Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elites. I, I, I listen to a lot of uh, British radio, Will, and there's a very different sense. The, the Brits love, it seems to me, to be told by their government what to do and they uh, there's a big debate now about dogs certain breeds of dogs and it was the entire weekend and the the response from all of these folks who who claim to be conservative who claim to be this was well the government simply needs to and then they had a whole list of things the government should do and it was all about control and taking responsibility away from the people there are certain nations let's be honest who are by nature and by design much more compliant than americans it's definitely true but i fear that the west in, in i guess america is becoming more like one of these western european countries i mean most of the things that happen in western europe you give it about a year and it'll be coming to america with all of these types of things we're about a year behind these countries um I'm very nervous for what America is going to be very soon. Mm -hmm. I think that what we have with the amount of people who are still going to comply with whatever it is coming forward is going to be higher than we would expect. Because you talk about, you know, before where you said that the British are different than the Americans, but when it comes down to a human nature aspect, people are going to do what is easiest for them. People are going to take the wide path almost 99% of the time because they don't want to be ostracized from their friends. They don't want to be ostracized from their family, potentially lose a job, lose their university, uh, credits, whatever it may be. But we have to, I, I reiterate, we have to be that strong, hardy person who says, I don't care what is going to happen to me on this earth in this sense. I know what is true. I know what is good. I know what is right. I'm going to stick up for that no matter what. All right, so give us some examples. If somebody is listening to this and says, uh, okay, all right, let's let's try and stand up. Is it simply a matter of saying, I'm not going to do that, or is there more to it? Well, it's both. I think do not complying is at first saying, okay, I'm not going to comply with their actions, but then I think it also implies an inherent sense of offense, where let's say these people are trying to make you comply with the trans agenda, that you have to think that it's okay 
for someone to be born a man and then come on and say they're a woman, or you have to be coerced to call them something like this. So you are first not complying by saying, listen, I'm not going to call you that, but then you are also on offense by going and spreading the word that this is a lie, right? You have to be able to do both. You have to be able to come and say, I'm not going to do this, and also go on offense to try and fight against it in all these scenarios, because just being against it and kind of I guess you could say balkanizing and all moving to one big conservative place is not going to stop these elites from taking over all of our lives. We have to be on the offense and understand also the fact that the left doesn't care about hypocrisy. The elites don't care about facts and logic. If they're the ones holding the gun, it doesn't matter to them if what they're doing is immoral as long as they continue to hold that gun. We have to understand that and know that we need to be on the offense and we can't find common ground with these people anymore. That's really a fascinating way of looking at it. And you point out, uh, Will, this is on so many fronts. It's not just uh, the government front or the corporate front or the media front, man. It is all of these fronts. Yeah, well, it's also, you know, it could be your one of your closest friends that you've had for years and years who tells you that, you know, they're they're. they're, they're Uh, totally believe this leftist agenda and you're just supposed to sit there and comply and say, okay, I, I believe you. You know, it comes to a point where we are at such a crisis in this country, a crisis of meaning, a crisis of leadership, a crisis of a future that, you know, this kind of let live type of mentality that we've had for so long, just to me, doesn't seem like it's working anymore. If you see evil out there in the world, you need to combat it. Now, when you're having individual conversations with people, you are compassionate. You try and understand them. You ask questions to try and change their mind. That's what my first whole book was about. But when it comes to ideas, ideas are objective. That means that an idea is either evil or wrong. These ideas that that the, the you can abort, quote-unquote abort, a baby after it's born is an evil idea. You don't find common ground with, with that idea. You eradicate that idea from the face of the earth because it's evil and terrible. Right. So we have to be willing to to go on offense for these things. Otherwise, we will continue to lose as as Republicans have. I'll tell you what, it's, it, it is a fascinating discussion. Will, uh, for folks who would like to avail themselves of your latest book, you mentioned your prior book as well. What's the best way for them to do that? You can get Do Not Comply, Taking Power Back from America's Corrupt Elite. You can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Go to your local bookstore, whatever it might be. The book comes out tomorrow. So if you order it today, hopefully it should be in your mailbox by tomorrow, especially if you order it off Amazon. Okay, excellent. Well, listen, Will, I appreciate you being here. We'll look forward to, uh, to getting you back to uh, further examine all of this. That's Will Witt. Uh, it, it, it sounds like it is an absolutely fascinating discussion. And again, it's something you need to be aware of. It's something you need to be uh, on offense, as uh, Will says. Do not comply. Taking power back from America's corrupt elite. And uh, when you hear his description of the corrupt elite, man, it is, it, it is a wide, wide net. 546, Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. I hate cutting Susanna Hobbs off, especially when well, I don't think she is singing about me. But anyway, it, it's it's just such a great song. Uh, did you see the uh, the photos and the videos of the uh, the train filled with young men who are coming to the southern border to enter illegally? I mean, it's insanity, absolute insanity. Didn't Kamala Harris stand up and say, "Don't come here." I think she did. Nobody listens to her. God, even, well, nobody listens to her. Let's just leave it at that. 
Joe Biden might very well have said, don't come here, but he was probably talking about uh, Hunter Biden's illegitimate uh, daughter. Come on, man. I know. That's what I'm saying. God, please. But it's, it's craziness. So if you haven't seen that video, it's easy enough to see. I've got it up. You go to uh, The Jeff Cat Show over on Facebook, The Jeff Cat Show over on Facebook, and you can see it, it's an, it, it's a train. And by the way, it's not like an Amtrak train where everybody's sitting inside, maybe getting a cup of coffee, a, a little snack of some sort. No, these are they're, they're, they're like open freight cars with human beings, thousands of, well, young men, 18, 19, 20 years old. You're telling me they're all fleeing some sort of political persecution. I don't buy that for a second. But that's what's headed our way. And what's going to happen? I don't know. How bad has it become in the real world? There's a video out now, and I, I, I have the full video posted if you go to The Jeff Cat Show over on Facebook. A couple of uh, guys, young thugs, 16 years old, I think, they steal a car. But, you know, everybody just does that. And then they go out joyriding. And part of their joyriding is just banging into a car next to them. And then, well, they see a gentleman who's riding a bicycle. So you know exactly what they need to do, right? In their minds, right, they got to run him over. Cut number five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hit his ass. Mm-hmm. They didn't just knock him down. They hit him with the car. The guy flies off the bicycle, hits the car, hits the windshield, rolls off to the side. Right, he's dead. Happens to be a retired police officer. Now, these, these, these morons didn't know that. They didn't know anything about him. They just knew he was a guy riding a bike, and they had a stolen car, and, and they had absolutely no respect for uh, humanity in any way. And they just thought it'd be really funny to hit the guy riding the bike while they were driving the car. And not only did they have no concern about him, they had no concern about you. See, it could have been you. It could have been me. There was no, well, motivation related to an act. If they would have said, oh, yeah, that's the guy who was, I don't know, beating us up or stealing from us or yelling at us. Well, then you say, well, that's why they did that. That's not why they did that. They stole the car because, well, they just wanted to steal the car. They hit that man with the car because they just didn't care about another human being. And that's why I say it could have been you, it could have been me, it could have been your kids. And they have such contempt for decency and, and, and a decent society. What do they do? They, they, they record it all on their phone. They think it's, they're going to go back and revisit this. Because they're sick, twisted, demented individuals. And instead of holding them accountable, what, we, what have we done around America? We've allowed the Soros-financed prosecutors to come in and say, Oh, no, we don't lock people up. We don't, we don't prosecute anybody. Nobody gets punished for anything. And that's what happens. You, you see the result of it. It's ugly, and in this case, it is fatal. And it's not just Las Vegas where that happened to occur. It's everywhere.
We've really got to be on guard against that. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., please make sure that you are listening to my friend John Reed. You will always, always enjoy that show. And if you haven't gotten a ticket yet for the Henrico County GOP dinner tomorrow, the big event, I am the uh, keynote speaker. Go to HenricoGOP.com. Have a fantastic evening. God willing, you and I get the chance to do this all over again tomorrow, starting at 3. Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRP. And Viacom deals Going home now to stay Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.